This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into Press Pass, episode 69. I'm Kayla Anderson with my co-host Joshua Perry. This podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Joshua, there is not much more to say than whoa. Whoa. This, yeah, whoa. This past week was absolutely something I have never experienced in my life, specifically Thursday when really essentially the sports world shut down um, with with us being sports broadcasters, former athlete. I know it's way bigger than sports right now, but because we're a sports podcast, I think just you know, thinking about the sports side of things, that's when it hit me that, whoa, this thing is really serious, this coronavirus. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we were talking about it before we started uh, rolling tape here, but, you know, I'm not, I don't want to create any panic because I, I, I know people are really funny about that right now, but mm-hmm. you have to make the assumption that um, this coronavirus is probably a little bit more serious than we want to let ourselves believe it is right now. For an enterprise like the NCAA to cancel March Madness, and they had the option to try to play the games with no spectators and still yeah. get the the TV revenue, which probably would have increased because people couldn't watch it in arenas. Oh yeah, to lose that money and then to say spring championships are done. And I know how big of a deal uh, that the College World Series is for baseball, yeah. especially down south for you yep. to be able to let go of that is big. Obviously the NBA following suit, MLS, Mm -hmm. uh, NHL. I mean, we can go through golf. It's, it's a big deal. And in sports is a huge industry. Obviously a lot of these folks print money. Um, and so you would think that if they had the opportunity to, uh, be able to get some of the revenue that they anticipated, they would do so. But, um, you know, for, for the sake of public health, it was the right decision to, to not play games and to suspend operations um, obviously, this thing sends shockwaves throughout because you have a lot of people who are going to be struggling to pay their bills as a result, not only in the sports world, just in society in general, where in Ohio, for example, we've had bar closures, restaurant closures, um, school is out. And <clears throat> so it truly is a big deal here, something I take seriously, but it, you know, it makes it a little bit harder for us to do our jobs. I know that's not the most important thing because this is a true health issue, but it's kind of yeah. uh, turned everybody's world upside down so far. Yeah. And so hopefully, um, and I'm not being insensitive at all, because believe me, I I work in this business. I'm around what's going on every day. And I know how serious uh, this situation is with COVID-19. But hopefully we can kind of be an escape for you um, listening to this podcast 
for as long as as this is going on, because we're going to try to do some things that uh, are a little different. We can't really be talking about specifics that are going on right now. But for today, uh, we're going to bring up some top college football brands of ours, which will be really fun. And we're also going to talk about who is on the hot seat for this upcoming season when it comes to college football. But I did want to talk about directly with the coronavirus first off with a lot of these, and I think all of them at this point, the pro days that were left have been canceled, Joshua. We spoke about how important pro day is for some of these athletes trying to increase their draft stock, but a lot of them aren't going to have that second chance or even first chance now doing that. How is that going to affect things? And we don't even know what the future holds for the NFL draft at this point. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a shame uh, and I think of guys at Ohio State that I know that didn't get to work out at the Combine that would have had an opportunity at Pro Day. B.B. Landers, who's a great guy, um, Rashad Berry, Brandon Bowen, just a couple of guys off the top that I can think of. It, it really hurts their ability to showcase their skills um, because you would think that one or two of those guys would have been on maybe a team's radar after working out that they weren't on beforehand. Um, it just limits the opportunities they have to show what they really are. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the draft, too, because obviously they're not going to do the draft, you know, in Vegas with all the guys there. That would be no. um, it would go against everything that we're trying to do right now. Um, and I think it would still be a weird time to do the draft anyway, considering that they're probably going to have to cancel OTAs. They should cancel OTAs and they they should cancel rookie mini camps the way things are going right now. Yeah. And so does it even make sense to do a draft where guys aren't going to be able to get in with their teams? They're probably not going to want to have to pay those guys as quickly as they would have to anyway. And they still haven't had a full chance to evaluate all the prospects. And this is including guys who um, have worked out at the combine. I know they do their top 30 visits where they're allowed to have 30 guys come through their facility. Um, They're not going to be able to do those. And so I think it throws a wrench into the schedule of uh, the NFL with the draft and everything. But you're right when you say that this really hurts guys um, who are expecting to work out at pro day, maybe have a chance to better their performance from the combine, or this was their only opportunity to work out in front of NFL teams. They're not going to get this chance back. On the note of the NFL real quickly, uh, it's not way off topic because we are talking about the draft here. Do you feel like the NFL is being insensitive right now in terms of what's going on in our country because they are going on with business as usual this week with free agency? Obviously, the CBA just passed. But I think the biggest thing is, are they being insensitive because everybody else has shut down essentially but them? I just kind of feel like, why isn't Roger Goodell at least coming out with a statement saying we are sensitive to with what's going on in our country, but we are going to be doing this because we're not, you know, putting people at risk uh, at this point. Yeah, I, I think kind of what you said at the end is a big point there um, where they can make it clear um, that they the way they're doing business right now does not involve uh, gatherings and meetings and people being face to face. They can do this business all from a distance, but that they're not trying to be insensitive. And I thought the same thing. Like, uh, I know that for a lot of people, um, sports news would be a welcome distraction from what's going on. But yes. at the same time, if the only news is hearing about guys who are getting paid these contracts and uh, these sums of money that most people would never see in their lifetime, yep. especially now with a lot of people who are going to be out of work. And we're talking about people who work in the service industry, retail 
Uh, we're talking about people who work in restaurants that rely on tips. Um, you know, folks that don't make a lot of money generally now are going to be sitting back and, and watching news of people uh, who are making ridiculous sums of money. I think there is a little bit um, of a, uh, you know, the haves and the have nots type situation going on there. It, it kind of stokes tensions that already exist between uh, the working classes and some of the privileged classes in America anyway. But um, I tend to agree with you to where it's like, is it necessary to do all of this right now? No, it's yeah. not. Is it dangerous to do it right now? No, because of the way that they can do business. Is it a distraction that people probably want? Yes. But is it the type of distraction that you think that they really want? Eh, considering the amount of money being tossed around, maybe not. But this is why the NFL owns a day of the week because they do business differently than everybody else does. Yeah. And, and, and that's literally indicative of the type of success that they have and why they're so popular. Yep, you could definitely argue that on both sides. Well, with currently no NBA, NHL, or college basketball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Surprisingly, you'd be wrong. Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager from their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day, all online. Sports aren't totally done. There is still mixed martial arts, uh, esports also on the rise. So if you are into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the elections. The spelling bee, that's an interesting one. And even Nathan Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Be sure to use that promo code Blue Wire to receive 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your new ticket to online action. So we told you we would talk about some interesting things that maybe not are relating to college football at this moment. So this should be fun. Uh, let's start with coaches on the hot seat, Joshua. Yes. Because there are always coaches on the hot seat in any sport, but especially college football nowadays. And I'm going to start with a couple and then you can kind of tell me what you think. And then I'm going to listen to yours. I'm going to give you a few here and I'm going to start with somebody, you know, very well up there, you know, uh, way up North uh -oh. and the guy by the name, Jim Harbaugh <laughs> at yeah. Michigan. And I'm going to say he's on the hot seat this year. Now, you can argue with me and say, well, he's a Michigan man and they wouldn't do that to him and blah, 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 so on and so forth. Yes, I think that's what's kept him there for the time being. But I think if he can't get this team past Ohio State this year, that he will be seeing the door. Am um, I not right? No, I, I, don't, I don't think that you're wrong in saying that. Here's the reality of the situation. I think two things uh, that play into that is number one, I think that their expectation level, whatever you want to call it, is entirely too high. I think they're living in the past when it comes to that. And what I mean is Michigan's not a team that is supposed to go undefeated in today's day and age and win national championship. I think they should be able to compete for a Big Ten championship, but I also don't think nine or ten wins a year is underachieving for Michigan where they're at right now. <clears throat> um, but in saying that, one of those nine or ten wins needs to be Ohio State at some point. And then one of those nine or ten wins, maybe the 11th win of the year, should be the bowl game. Um, and that's kind of where Harbaugh falls short. He was n the number one name on my list uh, is that the big game he can't win. He hasn't beaten Ohio State. And then in bowl games, he struggled against the premier elite competition. We saw this past year how they were able to be competitive with Alabama for a half, but then they just got their doors blown off. Yeah. Interestingly enough, Harbaugh's contract is up 
uh, at the end of the 2021 season, I believe. And typically when you have your coach of the future and somebody that you think is going to be there for a while, they would have extended his contract by now. So this might be a situation where they they let the contract die or they even fire him after this season or not even a firing, maybe just a mutual parting of, you know, coach and athletic department. He goes out and gets a different job. But I think his days are definitely numbered um, at the University of Michigan. Okay, so let's now that let's go back and forth real quick. So that's that's one of my picks. What okay. do you got, Joshua? So I'm going to keep it in the Big Ten. Um, I know okay. it's a little bit early, but Scott Frost has to uh, make some things happen. And he it's, it's just been – he's underachieved. And I think that his personality has been um, something other than what fans are, have expected. Uh, Scott Frost, obviously – What do you mean by that? Well, so I'll say two things. Is You know, he's, he's, a, he's their guy. It's like Jim Harbaugh. At Michigan, he comes okay, back. He's okay. their savior. People really appreciate him. But then it's the same way where Harbaugh's personality is like you know weird and super annoying. It's not that Scott Frost is weird, but he has he's very monotone. He lacks energy. Um, you know he's he's been known to throw players under the bus when talking to the media. It's like you know he comes out in his hoodie uh, with his hands in his pocket every week, and then he's pissing and moaning about how he doesn't want his players to wear hoodies during pregame warmups. And it's like, bro, you're wearing a hoodie right now. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, we're not tough enough. And it's like, okay, well, that's definitely on you as a coach. And I know he didn't recruit all those players, but you recruited some of those players and then you coach those guys. And I believe toughness is something that you can build and you can coach. Because when I went to Ohio State, I wasn't a tough guy. When I left, I was. Yep. And now that he's recruited as well as he has in back-to-back classes, he doesn't have the excuse of saying, well, these aren't my guys. and you know, uh, you know, we need to get more talent in here. That was where he was before. And he said the personality of the player that he had um, didn't fit what he wanted to do. He said he had too many guys from California, which is crazy because the first school he went to was Stanford. Um, but that's neither here nor there. And that he, he didn't want to coach those guys necessarily. Well, now you've got a few classes of your guys in here. Um, and if you can't win with those guys, I think it's probably time to move on because it's not on them. That's on you. Yeah, that's interesting stuff that you were talking about just with the personality and kind of maybe how he can be a hypocrite in some ways with his own players. Um, I think you're right, though. He is kind of like Harbaugh in the way that everybody was like, okay, he's coming to save the program. And just alert to everybody, just because there was a player that was very successful where they were in college doesn't mean they're going to come back as a coach and take you to the promised land. I think nowadays, like, that's just you're you're really like living in a false reality right yeah i mean and everybody's like oh you know we're glad to have him back and he really gets what it means to you know be a, be a corn husker and it's like ah, and that's part of it but not right. all of it then that's the deal too it's like i think nebraska football when he was playing in the 90s is vastly different than nebraska football playing in 2020 i think playing in um, the conference that he was in before versus playing now, the recruiting base is completely shifted. They have some geographical um, issues in terms of location. Like, I think it's a completely different game. And obviously he's going to have that pride, but, you know, pay me $4 million and see what type of pride I have in the school that I'm coaching at. Like, that shouldn't be an issue. All these guys should be invested. I think you need to go out there and find somebody who runs, you know, the type of offense that you want is the type of person that you want in there um, can recruit the way you want, not somebody that was there and they were a great player and you think that they've got it going on. Well, my next coach, I'm going to go into the conference of champions, although that has really not been the case anytime recently. 
That's the Pac-12. And you know who I'm going to say. Yep. I think he's the number one guy in the hot seat. Yep. Actually, I don't even know why he has a seat right now at USC. Should have been gone. I thought he was going to be out the door. Instead, they kept Clay Hilton at USC. He had one of the worst recruiting classes that I've seen in a long time when it comes to a major program. And I don't think he'll last through even mid-season at this point. I mean, this guy has done absolutely nothing for the program in terms of bringing it back. It's already a struggle right now in the Pac-12 to get notoriety, but that doesn't mean that as USC, with all of the branding that you have, the money that you have, being in Southern California, it's not a hard place to recruit. It's definitely got a, a long lineage line of success there. Uh, he's done absolutely nothing. And and yeah, he won some some games last year where you're like, oh, okay. But those are expected to be games that you win in the Pac-12. Okay? Yeah. Let's be, be clear on that. So I just think there's no way he lasts a full season at USC. And I don't know why he's there in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I just, I saw those cats get boat raced by Iowa in the bowl game. And it just, that kind of solidified how bad they were. And um, that's not an indictment on, on Iowa because they won a lot of games this year. I think they played really good. It's just like, Iowa's not a team that scores 40 something points. They just don't do that. And I, I agree with you. If if he makes it through half of this season, that'll be a surprise. And I think that'll say a lot about how inept USC's athletic department is because there's not a chance this guy should have a job right now. And it's not, you know, bad recruiting. It's not finished middle of the road in college football and recruiting. It's like he was one of the worst recruiters in his conference with the backing of probably the biggest brand in the conference, one of the biggest brands in college football. That should never happen. And that, I mean, that was the last guy I put on my list. I had three names and a couple of ours overlap, but um, Clay Helton, and I don't know what kind of person he is, but um, Clay Helton does not, should not be a college football coach in 2020, uh, head coach at least. Um, there's not an excuse for that to be going on. He's bad for USC. Um, he's proven as much. Recruits don't want to go there. High school coaches don't want to send their kids there. Um, and when you get to that point as a program, it is absolutely time to move on because if you, if you can't get players, you're not going to be good. Yep, you're already digging yourself a deeper hole, and there's not much more of a hole that you can dig at this point. Joshua, what's, what's your other one? Because you said two of ours overlapped. I'm guessing it was uh, Harbaugh and Helton, right? Yep, and then I had Frost, so those were my three. So those are your three. Okay, what do you think yep. about my other one, Tom Herman? You know what? I was uh, I was going to put his name down because I think that he should be on the hot seat. Um, but it's hard for me, honestly, to gauge their athletic department's faith or lack of in him. And the reason I say that is because they spent money to go out and get uh, two big name yeah. coordinators. Yeah, coordinators. Yeah. And I know that's kind of a signal maybe like, hey, we're going to give you your guys. So um, yeah. your time here is numbered if you can't win with them. But I think they might give them a couple of years to really okay. turn it around because they spent some money. I don't know what those guys' contracts look like. I don't know if they're on one or two-year deals. Um, most guys won't sign a deal unless it's for two years. And I know that athletic departments don't like handing over used coordinators to the next head coach. But But you know how I feel about Texas football. You know how yeah. I feel about where they should be in the national uh, landscape. And he, he should absolutely be on the hot seat. Now, whether he is or not um, is up for debate, but, you know, you can't you can't go around Texas winning eight games and expect to, to have a job for the coming years. 
And I don't care what anybody says. Like, just like the Pac-12 and USC should be up there competing at the top every year, Texas is in the Big 12. In my opinion, the Big 12 is no better than the Pac-12. And this should be something where he's able to compete at this point, you know, and beat Oklahoma. And it's like, I just don't see them like right now. It's like, what have they done to get over that hump? Like you're seeing certain situations where you're like, okay, we can see them in certain aspects getting closer, but then it's just not, not happening. And to me, Texas is in the same spot as USC is. They've been struggling to become relevant still. Yeah. And I, I think what you said there, like they, they should be beating Oklahoma. That's like, it's, it's bad now that um, when you look at the, the hierarchy in the big 12 and kind of the brands in that conference where it's like, Texas is probably the most recognizable one, but Oklahoma's got the most clout right now. And yeah. Oklahoma's figured out how to recruit and develop quarterbacks. And and it's not like Texas Tom isn't a quarterback guy. You know, like right. that's no, what he's exactly. known for. Yeah. And it just seems like they're playing second fiddle to Oklahoma in the way that they're doing business. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. Definitely shouldn't be like that. And so there there are legitimate questions and concerns that you brought up in terms of kind of how they've developed their program, aside from wins and losses, like you should be top dog. Like I'll put it like this. Even if Ohio state isn't relevant in the college football playoff race, Ohio state needs to be the top dog in the big 10 every year because they're the biggest brand, they're the strongest brand. Um, They've got their, their, they've got the best location in my opinion they're sitting right there and probably the best city in all of the big 10. Like they have everything behind them to be that, even if they aren't in the national conversation. Yep. Yeah. That's, I mean, well, we were certainly on this, the same, same uh, wavelength when it came to coaches on the hot seat, it'll be interesting if, and when the college football season um, happens this year, hopefully it's all at at the time that it's supposed to, um, what will happen with these coaches. And we'll of course revisit that, uh, once that is the case. So we're going to move on to our final segment and that is top five college football brands. Now let's make this clear, Joshua, are these our top five college football brands or are these just what we think America thinks are the top five college football brands? Okay, so I did this two ways. I did this two okay. ways. I did recent and then I did overall. Oh. And these are this is my opinion. So, you know, somebody could think that I'm completely wrong and I might be wrong, but this is kind of how I have it graded in terms okay. of the the best recent brands and then in terms of overall and I'll go into a little bit of why. Um yeah. some people are going to call me a homer at some point when I'm doing this, but I'll definitely have an explanation of why I have it this way. So I'm going to let you go first in a second, but I do want to, so I was reading some articles on just like brands in general, and you can look at a brand in a lot of ways. Some people look at the brand and like, like you said, recently, there's a lot of brands that are different from what they were 20 years ago. Right. Right. And then there's some brands that have just stuck around just because it's a brand, you know, like we were speaking about with um, Texas and USC. But I read this article from a couple years ago. I found this really interesting. It was from a recruiting, I guess, standpoint of things. And I don't think this was at the time, because if it was a couple years ago, obviously Alabama has been king for a very long time now. The top 10 brands for these college recruits 
I'll read the list really quick. Number one, Clemson. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Penn State. Four, Georgia. Five, Oregon. Six, USC. Seven, Miami. Oklahoma, Stanford, and LSU. Okay. Those were brands that stuck out to the recruits. Is okay. is like they did like a big like thing. But guess who's missing from that list? Alabama. Michigan. Michigan. Oh, really? Yeah, Alabama. That's Michigan. really interesting. I mean, those are, yeah. Those so are two I, I, I was just blown away by that. I know. Yeah. But but um, when, from a recruits aspect, sometimes nowadays it is different, right? So that's why I like how you've picked two lists. Well, I'll say I'll say um, it's interesting because my perspective is even different than a recruits. And I was it was ten years ago that I was in that that same space that they're in currently. So it wasn't that long ago. No, but I, like from their from their standpoint, I could understand that. Like Nick Saban is not necessarily a new media type guy, so you don't see him in these viral social media videos that you would see even yeah. a James Franklin in. And I debated. Um, if Penn State belongs in here, and I think a lot of that belongs to the history of Joe Paterno, but then James Franklin and the turnaround that he's had there, I have a lot of respect for how he really brought Penn State back into the forefront. Um, yeah. The second biggest brand in the Big Ten, absolutely. And the same thing with Harbaugh. Like, he's he's a guy who, like, he avoids media, and he'll let his guys do it, but, like, he doesn't do it. And so, you know, yeah. when you see Luke Fickle even down at Cincinnati – dancing in TikTok videos, you're not going to see Nick Saban doing that. And you're no. definitely not going to see Jim Harbaugh doing that. And so I could understand from a recruit standpoint where those two brands might not resonate nearly as much because they're not flooding their timeline. It's really interesting. Yeah, that's a really good point. I like that. Um, someone who is dancing a lot, and I, he's even danced when I interviewed him for the NFL draft, that's Dabo Sweeney. Uh, yes, he obviously, is. <laughs> obviously, yes, he Clemson, is. Clemson is up there. Okay, so Joshua, give me... Give me your list. I'm interested in this. Yep. So these are my my top five recent brands. So like, you know, I'm, I'm taking probably like the last five years mm-hmm. um, into account here. Number one, just like the recruits, I said Clemson. Um, obviously, the ability to win games and compete for national championships year in and year out definitely helps. But like you said, they've got a coach who understands um, young people and how to connect with families. And I think that resonates. But just from our standpoint, they have great players year in and year out. They recruit really well. And so there's a lot to talk about. And this is one of those brands that, you know, even probably 15, 20 years ago, we weren't talking about the same way that we've no. been talking about them since probably 2010 and on. And so they, they've got that top spot just based off of what Dabo's been able to do in this last decade, uh, the way that he's been able to recruit and then winning championships. Number two, my alma mater, the Ohio State University. Yep. This is a historic brand, but again, another brand that's been able to compete year in and year out. Solid um, brand. Yes, and they did it with with Urban, and I think Urban enhanced the recruiting to a level in the Big Ten overall that we haven't seen before. Um, got some really great players in there, and then Ryan has shifted that recruiting, kind of kept it that same level, but really made it more of a, a family type of place. Um, he's incorporated a lot of that new media that we talk about. The graphics and the videos are ridiculous that come out. Uh, for Ohio State. And so it, build, it builds that brand. Number three, I definitely went with Alabama. And Nick Saban's a coaching legend. I mean, he's a guy who we'll talk about is is probably the greatest college football coach in the history of college football. Um, and I know we'll, some historians will debate me on that with some names I don't know of from 1923. <laughs> but I mean, you can you can legitimately say the way that guy has won and the way that he's operated, that they've oh, done a great yeah. job. Um, and you know, you can, you can look at Alabama, it's recognizable, uh, their uniforms are timeless, everything about it 
leads to a brand. Uh, number four for me, Ed Orgeron and LSU, based off of what they did last yep. year, they've, they've skyrocketed into one of the biggest brands in, in college football. You can thank Joe Burrow. You can thank Eddie O. Um, I even saw on one of the news stations, Ed Orgeron did a PSA about the coronavirus. I did. I couldn't help but laugh in some of yeah. that, too. No, Am seriously. I wrong for saying that? It, no, you're not wrong for saying that because it was funny. But, like, you know, that's that's who he is now, and that's what He's they awesome. are. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's recognizable. Again, they're, I mean, their uniforms are timeless. Um, you know, wearing the white uniforms at home. I mean, everything about it. And then number five on my list of recent college football brands, a team that we talked about earlier, but I had to throw Oklahoma in there uh, with Lincoln Riley. And, I mean, all I got to say is Heisman trophies, right? I mean, yeah, you know, he brings guys in. He develops yep. them. They win Heismans. They win football games. They compete in the playoff, you know. Uh, and, and they recruit at a high level. Maybe yeah. their defense isn't up to snuff, but you look at guys like C.D. Lamb and you look at guys like Jalen Hurts and Baker Mayfield and, and you know, everybody that they've had there, Kyler Murray, it's, it's, they've, they've got a brand for sure. They produce things and that's, it doesn't matter. Maybe they haven't won, you know, the Natty recently, but they're producing names that go as dot as top draft picks or they're big time branded um, going out of Oklahoma and those that brings notoriety to a program. So as long as you're finding a way to do it, you're still making yourself relevant in the world of college football. Now I will add one to there just because I have had to endure this program back West uh, pretty much throughout my entire college career. And still at this point have to endure them and they might not be, as successful as some of these other programs, but Oregon is a god dang brand. Yeah, it um, is. Oregon doesn't have to always even be like maybe isn't a top twenty five program, and they're always going to be in the top twenty five in the preseason polls. You know why? Because they're Oregon, and that's almost a running joke over there for us when I was at Washington State because our rivals are Washington, but we hated Oregon as well because they don't have to do anything, but they're going to be in the top twenty five poll in the yeah. preseason. And they'll usually stay there um, until they absolutely have to be dropped out at some point. But that big O and all the money from Nike and all those jerseys nowadays, kids like that stuff. And you know, Oregon is a brand. It's a big brand. I was brand. just getting ready to say that. I, I, I can remember when I was in middle school and high school, Oregon was a brand, not because of the level of football they played, but like you said, that Nike deal that they have, Mm-hmm. All the different uniform combinations that all anybody ever wanted to talk about was what uniform right. Oregon was going to be wearing on Saturday. And that is huge. And I think that it's it's kind of tailed off because Mario Cristobal is a, a no-nonsense kind of guy. And yeah. he's very – like I, I interviewed him uh, leading up to the Rose Bowl. And he is very straight edge, no-nonsense, wouldn't give any you know predictions about the game, any anything like that. And so when you have a guy like that running the, the game, you know, it's it's probably not going to be as exciting as yeah. you would want it to be. But like you said, there's there's the allure of, you know, probably the best team in Pac-12 right now. And they've got all kind of cool stuff going on. That's exactly what happens. You become a brand. Yep. So that was that was one I would add just in terms of really being a new age brand for just these recruits when they see that. Oh, and they see kind of what goes along with it. So, okay, I want to know your timeless, your overall brands. Yep. So my number one, call me a homer, it doesn't matter, is Ohio State, the Ohio okay, State you University. you have the right to go with that. 
Yep. Um, and I think it's everything. It's the, you know, it's the Buckeye leaves. It's the helmets. It's, you know, the uniforms. Yeah. They've, they've changed just a little bit. It's the horseshoe. It's two Heismans for Archie Griffin. You know, it's it's the history. I mean, we can go through every single era of college yeah. football and we can pick names, you know, Chick Harley and yep. Hopalong Cassidy. And we can just, I mean, Archie Griffin, Eddie, George. Eddie George, you know, Troy Smith, James Lauren. I mean, we, I can give you every name. It's the fact that Ohio State has been one of the few college football programs to have had success in every era. And you'll go back, for example, and you look at Michigan and they'll talk about all the success that they had early on. It's like, yes, but if you look at, you know, the last 50 years, last 60 years, last 70 years, Ohio State's right there competing with them because Ohio State didn't play football for as long as they did. Yeah. You know, you look at Notre Dame, for example, which I think is a great brand. You know, they'll talk about some of the success that they had, but then it kind of tapered off recently. Yep. Ohio State's been there. Number two, Alabama. And, uh, you know, it's for the same reasons. The uniforms literally have not changed at all. Um, You know, you can look at the houndstooth and it's recognizable. Um, Everything about their branding lends to a historic recognizability that is um, almost unparalleled. And, you know, it's it's the same thing. OHIO, they've got uh, Roll Tide. And I think anybody who's ever heard Roll Tide knows exactly what that's referring to. And it's things like that that make it a timeless brand. Number three, a brand that we both like to crap on, but it deserves to be up here for sure, <laughs> is the University of Texas. Texas, yeah, yeah. You know, burnt orange, the Longhorns, just the whole visual there. And I know you can picture it right now. Um, and then their history as well is one yeah. of the the programs in college football that's been great. They've won championships. They've had uh, they've had elite players that we all know about, and we can all run through the list and remember them. But Texas, I think, is one of those timeless brands. And again, like you said, a team that has to do basically nothing to end up in the, a top twenty-five poll uh, preseason, and they have to only win. You know, they can lose five games, but they'll still end up in the the final top twenty-five poll. That's because Texas is a brand. My number four brand is Notre Dame. Talked about them earlier, but um, you know. It's I feel like they're well. hanging by a thread now, too. They are, and they've fallen <laughs> off so far. But it, again, like I, the branding has has fallen off, which is a shame. But like, here's a team where you feel like they really don't have to do very much to be in the top twenty five because no. of their name. Um, Yo, no, you know, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, and it's it's everything with them too. The helmets, like we all know, those golden domes, like it, it is. Oh like, yeah, it's yeah. the full visual of of what you get when you think about Notre Dame and sure. I, and and I agree with you. Like, if you probably if you ask a recruit right now how excited they are about Notre Dame, probably not too excited. But when you when you ask somebody, my dad's sixty five. Ask somebody his oh, yeah. age about yeah. college football and about Notre Dame, yep. and they'll tell you all about everything. No, and then absolutely. number five, um, another brand that we have really dogged on here and just really gone hard at USC. <laughs> <laughs> those dang tro- that dang trojan the 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 two up you know what i'm talking about with yes. those, those, i don't even know how you call those cheerleaders no oh, offense no but, but they just sit on. there and they like fight on that's all they do fight the whole on. time yeah. <laughs> but it is but it is i mean that's you you still think of college football you still think of usc even though they're yeah not good right now no, you think of the yeah. players, like I said, and you get the visual of the uniforms there again. Another, yeah. like all these teams are timeless. Like you see teams go through all these rebrands and they, you know, new uniforms and we're going to do new logos and all this kind of stuff. 
And USC has been the team that's like, no, we don't have to do that because we are USC. Like we're not doing that kind of stuff. Ohio state's not doing it. Alabama's not doing it. Texas is not doing it. So those are all brands that have lasted. They've, they've passed the test of time. Some of them probably a little bit stronger than the others, but I mean, timeless brands. I like all those brands as well. I'm going to give myself a shameless plug right here now. Uh, plug right now. Now, I am not saying that this is some big time brand in college football, but Joshua, if you really look at how badass Washington State symbol is, do you know? Have you ever looked at that and seen what that really is? Yeah. Washington. Have you seen how badass that symbol is? How it draws in WSU and it makes a cougar head. Yes. And go Cougs! If you ever go around the country, you will see another Coug, and it is automatic Go Coug. It's just like Roll Tide. It's Go Cougs. We might not be a huge brand in terms of winning, but I tell you what, that WSU brand, I am so proud of like wearing that. It's, I mean, it's one of the coolest symbols in my opinion. So let's talk about that real quick. I think there's something to be said about being able to go somewhere you know, Roll Tide, OH, Go Kooks, and have yep. that connection. And I think that's what really ties college football together. And that's why it's such a big thing is yeah. even though there are so many brands, like the brands mean so much to the people that they represent. And it's just, it's it's a really cool thing. Like, you know, we're, we're we could probably sit here next week based off of this list and go through and pick the, uh, the top five most annoying fan bases. And it'll probably be a similar list. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not to say that every fan base doesn't have some of that in them where they take so much pride and almost to a point of being obnoxious. Right. And that's what I love about college football. It's a place where you can be proud. Yeah. I, well, this is, I'll tell you what, uh, before we get to your questions, I, this was really fun. I felt like for one minute I wasn't thinking about COVID-19. I mean, I, know, I really like, it's, this took me away for a second and I almost felt like we were in the college football season. So hopefully we were able to, uh, get you guys excited here (laughs) just talking about those few things uh we do have joshua's questions now joshua i saw you on i saw you on twitter the past couple days good lord you were going at it now this was mostly because of covid19 obviously yeah uh you were going back at back and forth with people because that's what you do you have conversations you're not afraid to you know in in i guess engage in those conversations with people and i love that did you get any? Did you get any questions this week in terms of football? No, I'll say on the on the COVID nineteen thing, I had to dispel certain rumors. Yes, you did. And you know, not to again, not to get people all twisted up, but like this is it's serious. And maybe just because you're young and you're feeling healthy, yep, doesn't mean that you're not affected with coronavirus and could affect somebody who is maybe not as young or not as healthy. Yes. So keep all that in mind. But I did get one great question from Dylan Pack at Dylan Pack 6 on Twitter. Shout out. (laughs) What what are your predictions on the depth chart going into spring practice for Ohio State? Okay. Do you ever see yourself being a linebacker coach for a college program except for the team up north? Great question. Nice. Great question. So um, (laughs) I guess my predictions for spring football – I could say anything because it's not going to matter. There's no spring ball. Legitimately, I think that on offense, Dewan Jones is going to be a name that that people need to to hear um, for Ohio State. He's an offensive lineman who's probably going to be playing tackle. Huge body, 
used to be a really good basketball player, had offers for Division One basketball at 360 pounds or whatever he came into Ohio State at. Um, he's leaned out a lot. He's got beautiful footwork, um, and he's nasty. Um, so he's a guy who is going to break into the depth chart offensively. I think the wide receiver room is going to be as deep as any wide receiver room in America. Um, they've got freshmen already who enrolled early on campus who look ridiculous, and they've got some veteran guys, uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson specifically, who um, are truly elite players, and that word is reserved for a very few, uh, very small bit of players in college football, but those guys are both elite. The running back room is going to be probably one of the biggest questions, and now it's it's going to be a little bit of a hindrance that Ohio State can't develop some guys through the spring because you've got uh, Master Teague, who is supposed to be the lead back there, who's injured um, with an Achilles, and I know Tough Borland got back from an Achilles injury in like six or seven months. I, I don't know if this was a full rupture, and I think we have the same optimism that Master might get back, but he's a running back and you want him to be at full speed. So they've got some young guys they got to work through, maybe might snatch a guy out of the transfer portal um, in hopes of having him ready to go and eligible for this fall. Defensively, across the D-line, I think one name that uh, everybody is going to probably know from recruiting, but he's going to be a household name on the defense, is Zach Harrison, um, Olentangy Orange alum, so a guy who grew up right down the street from uh, where I grew up. Yep. Fantastic player, really great athlete. Uh, he was he was All-State in the 200-meter dash, but his feet were too big to wear track spikes, so he ended up wearing flats, and he was still really, really fast. Like That's the type of athlete he is. And then when we look at the back end of the defense, I think that's where some questions are going to pop up. And Ohio State definitely had to suspend a couple guys. Not suspend, but they, they kicked them off the team, and rightfully so, because their actions are unconscionable and don't have a place in college football or anywhere in society, in my opinion. So they've got some young guys they have to bring along, which I think hurts the development. A guy like Josh Proctor being hurt doesn't help very much right now. Um, and, and so you have some of these issues that you have to work through. I think probably the strong point of the defense will be the linebacker room uh, where you've got everybody returning except for Malik Harrison. Justin Hilliard's back for his 23rd year uh, playing <laughs> linebacker at Ohio State. Um, you know, we've got Baron Browning, who's moving to outside linebacker. Tough Borland's back in this defense. Pete Warner's a great player. Taraj and Mitchell's finally healthy. Looks to be a guy who's going to push for some playing time. Uh, we saw Kayvon Pope make some plays in some mop-up duty this year or this past season. Uh, Dallas Gant is a guy who who's put on still more weight and looks to be a great linebacker this year. And I just named seven guys um, who can be Dang. great linebackers at Ohio State. So I think defensively, uh, strong suit is going to be in the middle of the defense. To answer the second part of the question, I don't have any bit of desire whatsoever to be a college football coach. <laughs> And if I He's ever did become a coach, that, folks. <laughs> if I ever did become a coach, it would be college football. But um, you know, it's a lot of a lot of time commitment, um, a lot of time away from family. And personally, I love what I'm doing right now. I think that I can make a career out of uh, where I'm at currently. So no, no, yeah. no reason to leave. And that's okay. Just because you play college football doesn't mean that you want to coach it, right? I mean, sometimes you want to stay a little bit more distant from it, but still be able to, as a broadcaster, as an analyst, you still are able to cover it. You get the best of both worlds in that exactly. aspect. That's exactly. my opinion. That's why you see guys, these former coaches who never go back to coaching and they stay in the media. That's why, folks. 
they don't they don't need to get their fix like coaching they can kind of have that doing the media thing and be getting paid millions of dollars doing it yep. um so that does it for another episode of press pass uh before we go you can follow us on social media so on instagram it's at press pass pod we keep you updated on when our episodes come out and then you can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV on Instagram and Twitter, always active on both. And then Joshua, where you should be asking him questions and we will be answering them right here on Press Pass. Where can they go to follow you? Uh, you can follow me, Twitter, Instagram at RIP underscore JEP. And make sure to send in those questions. Uh, I want to have a couple to answer, especially since there's not a lot of sports to talk about. You can ask me just about anything and yeah. I'll answer it on this podcast. I would say we could get, I mean, th- we're not really putting anything off limits, people. And this could get really fun at the end of the show. So we just encourage you to send those questions to Joshua. I might have to like pose as some random person and just like put some questions out there. <laughs> Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> um, well, thanks again, you guys, for tuning in. And, and obviously during this time, and we just wanted to be a little bit of an escape for, for everything that's going on. We are very sensitive to what is happening in our country. I do want to just say, you know, first and foremost, take care of yourself and take care of others. Think about others before you put, you know, just yourself on the spectrum of I I can't get sick or I'm healthy and, Think about all the other people who aren't in the same boat as you at this time because we all need to come together as a country uh, and support one another and beat this thing, flatten it out, right? That's right. That's absolutely right. All right, you guys, take care. We'll uh, be here same place, same time next week.